my whole high school career, it was up there. It's just really fun to meet those people because, again, there's something within us that reacts when we meet people who are famous, who are celebrities. We celebrate those folks. And we all tend to do that. There's something within us that tends to see people like that a little bit differently. Not just athletes, celebrities, celebrity pastors even now in our day and age, which drives me crazy and is a little confusing. Um, But there are people that we prefer that we favor. And it's just this weird sort of part of human nature that we treat other people, we treat some people differently. It's not that we treat other people badly, it's just that we do favor some folks. And so we tend to do that and play favorites in our lives. So we're jumping into James, and the reason we're talking about that this morning is because James jumps right in on this very topic. And like Trey said last week, James is sort of a no-nonsense guy. When you open the book of James, he just kind of tells you like it is, and he jumps right in, kind of right into your face a little bit. So we're talking about a faith that works, and looking at the book of James and what James has to say, all this wisdom, all of this profound stuff about life and faith today. And so last week, you'll remember, he picks right up where Trey left off. Trey talked, did a great job about talking about uh, how a man, when you look in the mirror, the, somebody who doesn't listen to what God is saying is sort of like a man who looks in the mirror and then totally forgets what he looks like and just walks away. And Trey made the great point that the word, the story of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the scriptures that are given to us, that those are sort of a a mirror for our souls. And, And that when we look into the word, it's a reflection. We see ourselves and we see the places in ourselves where maybe we need to lose a little bit of weight or shave a little bit of piece off here and there or clean things up a little bit. We see those different pieces where God wants to move and change and challenge us to grow. And more than that, we we begin to see an image of what God wants. He wants us to reflect him, his heart, his character, his nature to the world around us. So when we look in the mirror and we remember what we see, it's this pathway to God beginning to work in us so that we reflect him to the world. So Trey did a great job talking about that. But this thought is absolutely connected to what he talked about this inside piece of us, this, this part of us that connects with the spirit and the life of Jesus. So he goes on to say right after that, my brothers and sisters, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, uh, um, poor, and a poor man in filthy old clothes comes in with him. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here is a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, hey, you you used to stand here, or, or, or why don't you sit on the floor by my feet? Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has God not chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? See, but you've dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme her, blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? But if you keep, if you really keep the royal law found in the scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin 
See, and you're convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. He makes the point, he kind of follows up on it. He says, for is, it's he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shouldn't murder. But if you commit adultery but don't commit murder, you're still a lawbreaker. You still break one of those. So speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. And it's because mercy, mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy is better than judgment. Mercy wins over judgment, our judgment. I know there's a lot in there, but again, that first verse, just going back to that first screen there, don't show favoritism, it says. Don't show favoritism. Now, it's interesting when you go back to the Greek, there's actually a really deep kind of meaning underneath there that's, that's super profound and really important for us not to miss. And here's what the Greek, when you translate it, it means don't show favoritism. Just don't do it. Like, let's not show favoritism. Can we say it a different way? Like, favorites, don't do that. That's what it really means. That's what James is saying in that whole thing is don't show favorites. Don't play favorites. You have faith that works fights that tendency within ourselves to celebrate or make more of some people and not others. It pushes back against that tendency because it longs to treat people the way that God treats them. See, here's the thing. It's okay to have your people. We all have our people, the ones that we naturally kind of get along with, that we're more drawn to and that we have a little bit more chemistry with, relationally, friendship, whatever it is. But we have to remember that there's always another side to that equation. There's always somebody else that doesn't fit into that category, and very often they get left on the outside of this connection that you have. We all know what it's like to feel excluded, to feel dismissed or looked past or unseen. Every one of us. So James is just saying, yeah, guys, don't do that. Don't do that to people. As, as much as you can, as hard as you can, just make sure that you're not playing favorites and treating some people and celebrating some people while not celebrating others. It's hard in a group, I know. But years ago, I was working out. Um, this is how this played out in my life. Years ago, I had a friend of mine named Mike Pohemus. Mike's a great guy. He's one of those guys that, like, everywhere he goes, he walks in there. He's just really good-looking, very fit, great personality. And what makes you even more mad is he's actually got a really great heart, too, you know? So Mike, would, Mike and I worked together, and uh, we lived together, actually, for a season. But we'd go to the gym together. And this happened so many times at the gym. We'd walk into the gym, we'd start working out. And this one time in particular, uh, there were these two, two girls, young, attractive women that came up and started chatting us up. And I'm like, all right, this is kind of cool. You know, it's before I was married, before I'd met my wife. So they're chatting us up and we're, we're all, we're standing there kind of, you know, four of us. And then pretty soon I noticed that the two girls who were sort of half facing me now are like only a quarter facing me. And then pretty soon, like, they're not facing me at all. They're just facing Mike, you know, on the other side. And I realized in that moment, like, these girls were not chatting us up. They were chatting Mike up, right? And this just happened over and over again. And so I kind of made eye contact with him because I, I was giving him a little bit of a hard time. Like, hey, I'll be over here on the, on the bench. You know, they just totally walled us off. And, and that's a dramatic story or experience, but every one of us knows what it's like to be on the outside of that loop. 
to be excluded, to be uncelebrated, I guess would be the best term for it. See, the Greek term in that, actually, it is very interesting. The Greek term for favoritism in there is an old term that goes back, and it talks about, it literally translated as receiving the face of someone. Receiving the face of someone. To see them. And the interesting thing is, by this point in Greek, it had actually become a very negative connotation to it. It meant that we re- when you received the face of them, you showed a favoritism based on what you saw, on outward uh, appearances, outward distinctions. It means to make a judgment or distinctions based solely on things like physical appearance or social status or race. All of those different pieces, gender, See, and people did that then just as much as they do now. They favored the rich, the famous, the handsome, the charismatic. Again, it's not just that we're mean to other people. It's that we celebrate those folks. We're playing favorites, which automatically excludes others. This is just an interesting dynamic in in group settings in particular. And I know it's difficult because, you know, we want, like, especially when we come to church, we want to hang out with the people that we know, that we like, that we haven't seen all week, and we connect, and we hang out, and we, we automatically gravitate to those people. And if we're honest, in our day and age, like, we all have so much going on that it's very easy to set up boundaries that just push you towards those people that you like, it's to spend time with people that look like you, that act like you, that live in the same sort of suburban neighborhood or neighborhood that you do, people that we're comfortable with. And again, it's good to have boundaries because, again, there's so much going on right now. Most of us are over busy and overwhelmed with life. But when it comes to how we, how we see people, how we value people, the value that we assign to folks, That requires a little bit more soul-searching on our part. When I see somebody that looks different than I do, that's from a different social status or a different race or a different, you name it, that requires some soul-searching on our part. Again, this happens in the church in subtle ways. It's just like cliques that form, groups within the group. And again, some of that is to be celebrated. We all want to have a group of folks that we do life with that we kind of walk through this journey with. But the question becomes, with that group of people, how do you treat others? Does your being connected to a smaller group of people negatively impact the way you treat people outside of that group? Another way this plays out is uh, in the teaching piece, you know. So we have people who prefer when Mike teaches or people who prefer when I teach or Scott or Trey. And it's okay to have preferences. The deeper question is, does it change what you're willing to hear? Does it change what you're willing to hear depending on the person that's up here? See, this goes back to the first century because even Paul said right at the beginning, the guy that wrote most of the New Testament was talking to the church in Corinth and he said, look, guys, here's the deal. I know some of you prefer me and I know some of you prefer Apollos. But he goes, stop playing favorites. 
Who is Paul? Who is Apollos? Except that they, they serve Jesus, except that they open this book and they talk about the person of Jesus. There's nothing else. So stop picking. Stop playing favorites. Quit being willing to only hear truth from somebody that you like. It's just part of who we are. It can't change. James is talking about how we see people and how we assign value to the people around us. He goes right on to say this. He goes, if you show special attention, is what he calls it, to the man wearing fine clothes, and you say, here's a good seat for you, but then the poor man comes in and you don't do the same thing for him. In fact, you say, oh yeah, yeah, go sit over there. Go find your own seat. Now, we wouldn't be this bold necessarily in our culture. We wouldn't say, hey, why don't you go sit in the hallway? But we would make a fuss about one person and not another. We would say, hey, come over here and sit. And again, we have to determine how how do we live this out in a larger group of people? But he nails it down. It's about your heart condition. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges? with evil thoughts that focus only on what is seen and not what is unseen. Listen, dear brothers and sisters, God has chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith. In other words, God has a different system for value, a different system than what we tend to gravitate towards. He sees the soul of a person. He sees the value underneath those people, their intrinsic value. And and the invitation is to make a big deal about that, to celebrate people who all of us reflecting the image of God, being created in the image of God. He goes even on, I would read how he says this is, like if you don't do, if you're playing favorites, really what you're doing is you're disrespecting people. You're disrespecting people. And when you disrespect people, you're disrespecting the God who made them. Think of how if we just applied this one truth, even if we got it right like half the time, if we just applied this one truth to our interactions with people, not just people who are like us, people that in particular are not like us. If Republicans treated Democrats like this, where we we didn't play favorites, and vice versa. If people inside the church treated people outside the church by celebrating them, showing favor. Again, we would get it right half the time. It would change everything. By the way, I also think this is why Jesus is so adamant to us about praying for our enemies and those who persecute us. He says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Why? Because when you do that, you're honoring the value in the person, regardless of their behavior. Not only that, but when you pray for somebody, when you love an enemy and pray for somebody who persecutes you, you are forced, you are forced to look at them. You're forced to pay attention to them, to see them, and and try to pray for something in them that honors God. And not like God smite them, but pray for them, for them to come alive, for them to experience Jesus, for their lives to begin to reflect God's life, for them to feel a blessing from the Lord. Pray for your enemies and those who persecute you because there is value in even our enemies. 
James is just saying to us, to the church, like in the church and from the church, it has to be different. We have to be a people who sees people the way that God sees them, who sees and treats people the way that God does with his eyes. And here's the truth. In God's eyes, everybody's a favorite. Everybody's a favorite. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. In God's eyes, everybody is a favorite. They're all created in the image of God. Again, this is, and so when, as James making this argument, he's going, stop playing favorites. And then he turns the corner in the middle of this passage in what I think is the most uh, important verse in this section. And he says it this way. He says, if you really keep the royal law found in the scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself. Now you're getting it. Now you're doing right. If you really keep the royal law, love your neighbor as yourself, now you're getting it. Now you're doing what God would do. Now the inside is beginning to reflect the heart and the character and the nature of God. It's the royal law. This is the beauty of how God set things up. The royal law bestows value. It calls us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And even, you know, when Jesus is around, they're like, who's my neighbor? And he's like, hey, guess what? The guy next to you. Start there. And it doesn't matter if he's in the same political party. It doesn't matter if he's in the same race. It doesn't matter if he's part of the same church. It doesn't matter if he's in part of the same religion. That's your neighbor. Loving the royal law bestows value on people. It esteems people. It lifts them up. It celebrates them, all people. It doesn't favor one over another. It chooses to see the people the way that God sees them, the way that Jesus sees them. And it loves the neighbor as ourselves. See, this is the thing. In here, like we don't get to play favorites. In here in the church and from here, from the church, we don't get to play favorites. In fact, our job is to go make everybody feel like a favorite. We don't play favorites. We go make favorites. We go treat everybody as a favorite. That's the role. That's the challenge of the scriptures for all of us. And that's the heart of God. It chooses to celebrate people. Now, again, there's some things that you have to work out in navigating that. And there's some boundaries that we have to set up. But the main question is, are we playing favorites when we see people? Or are we choosing to celebrate them and see them through the eyes of Jesus? Our job is just to value people. We're here to offer the world a place to be seen, to be loved. There's a great um, book I was reading just the other day, and it put it this way. Because here's, here's the shift. So often we're looking at the world for what it can bring to us. You know, we tend to try to experience being a favorite from the people around us. And we're, we're very susceptible, just as a culture, as a human uh, race, we're very susceptible to bounce around on other people's opinions and how we experience them and base then how we feel off of that. And so there's, there's sort of a position of always receiving instead of being an influence in the world. And here's what's interesting, because there's a, um, this, this idea of prophecy that we talk about in the scriptures. I read a really interesting take on this just the other day. 
You know, Paul says, remember, desire prophecy, the greater gifts, because God is going to use you or wants to use you. And he says it this way. He said, look, a, a healthy prophetic attitude, an attitude that reflects the heart of God, gets used to building people up. It gets accustomed to being encouragers. We, it, where it gets powerful, though, is not in complimenting a person's nice white teeth. The power of God is manifest when we begin to see the world around us through God's heart for it. This is in the New Testament. Paul describes this vision of what the Colossians would and could be like if they were fully formed in Christ. Let me say that again. Paul describes a vision of what the Colossians or what the church could be like when they were fully formed in Christ. It's an attitude that can only be born from connecting with God's heart to see the people around you, to really see the people around you. You start to feel as though the gap between God's heavenly heart and his people is closing. Your very life becomes a bridge over that gap. Your faith and love stretch from God's own desire to your sphere of influence. If you want a prophetic influence, if you want to have experienced the prophetic, a part of you will begin to adopt and love the world around you, which was the original vision of God. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, if you want to live out this, this prophetic power in the world around you, if you want to speak from the heart of God, just go out and start looking at people intentionally and trying to see them in the way that Jesus does. Go and say to them, here's the glory that I see in you. As you get to know them, go, I really think God has put a gift in you for this. When you talk to them, be an encourager. Man, the way you handled that thing, that was just amazing. It, it shows me what God is doing in you and in your heart. We start to do that. If you start to interact with people in that way, they will come alive. And, and the thing is, when other people come alive because you're looking right at them and saying, here's the glory that I see in you, guess what happens to us? Oh man, like there's just nothing better. When you sit across the table and you're able to reflect the heart of God to somebody sitting in front of you. I mean, here, that's the thing. And we're so, we're so busy often in our kind of myopic world and self-centered world, we're so busy trying to receive that. And God is going, wait a second, I made you to go do this, to go be the mirror to the people around you. In fact, you are now the temple of God. You are the, the place where the Holy Spirit resides. Listen to his voice and see what he's saying to the people around you. And then just go mirror that back and have fun with it. Holy cow. I go to lunch this week and just sit down across the table from somebody that you know and just tell them all the things that they are amazing at and see what happens. It is a powerful thing when we become an influential voice in the lives of other people, a prophetic influential voice in the lives of other people. Because we've started to get this idea that James is getting at, that we celebrate people, all of them, all the time. We choose to celebrate and honor people. When they're sitting across from us in a relationship, when we're sitting next to them on the train, when we walk into church, we just celebrate people. That's when it gets powerful. Stop treating certain people as favorites because through Jesus, with Jesus, everybody gets to be a favorite. Everybody. 
See, and here's the thing, and we don't want to miss this because some of this can feel disjointed, but James goes on to make this exact point at the end. If we're paying attention, he makes the same point over again. He goes, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who's not been merciful. But listen, this is the key. Mercy triumphs over judgment. You know what the definition of mercy is? Again, mercy is something that we're so used to wanting to receive. But it says, compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within your power to do harm. A blessing that is an act of divine favor or compassion. Compassion or forgiveness shown to someone with whom it is within your power to harm. Guess what? Every single one of us has within us the power to either do harm or to be a divine act of favor and compassion. Every person that you interact with on any given day, you have the power to either do harm or to be a divine act of favor and compassion. The question is, which one are we going to choose? especially in our world today. Again, going out and being a source of validation and hope and love and freedom. When we do this stuff, when we, when we speak to people like this, guess what happens? In their lives, they just begin to feel a freedom. That's why the perfect law gives freedom, because not only do we begin to believe what God says about us, we begin to mirror that out to other people. That's freedom. That's freedom. And it's a joy to be able to live and to walk in that. So James says, remember, you have been given the power to either do harm or to be a divine blessing. Go be a blessing to everyone that you meet. Don't play favorites. Don't just do it for some. Be that for as many people. Do for one what you wish you could do for the many, the one that's right in front of you, always. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that you see us through this lens where we get to be your favorite. And it's so hard to believe that sometimes, Lord, because the, the messages around us and in this world are so bent on tearing people down instead of building people up. So let us be a voice on the other side of that, Lord. Let us be your voice in the lives of people where we go with the specific intent to demonstrate mercy, to be a divine act of love and compassion in the lives of the people around us. Lord, help us to change our orientation where we're not so much looking to receive that from the people around us because we're receiving it from you. And then we get to go and dole that out to the people around us. Father, we don't get to do any of this without your Holy Spirit living and breathing within us. And so we pray this morning that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. That as we walk out from here, we'd walk out feeling empowered to go be your voice, to see people, Jesus, the way that you see them, to live and to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, we pray this all in your name. We say amen.